that we've been doing on how to study the Bible. And so over the last few weeks, this will be week number four, we've been walking through just some basics on how to do that, and we want to just kind of pull that to a conclusion both this evening and help. So first of all, if you do not have uh, one of the booklets that we had available at the door, if you would raise your hands, we'll do our best to get you one here and, and see that. Does anybody not have a booklet that needs it? Because we have a, you know, just a place where you can write it down, where you can kind of fill in the blanks, as it were, and follow along with us, and we hope that is how helpful. You know, I kind of recognize that it's challenging. In one sense, maybe you've been here, maybe you haven't, and so we're kind of jumping into the midst of a study, and it always feels a little bit odd. I mean, I I hope it's helpful. You know, I definitely approach into this evening, and in the midst of all of this, wanting to put tools in your hands helps that would help you understand that if you've missed any of these, they're all online. You can get them on our website, get them on YouTube uh, in that space of doing it, but believing even now that God would just take this evening, and in the midst of even just some very practical and specific helps, uh, that God would still meet us this evening, and meet us in a way that's in his favor. So before we even dive into this, let's take one more moment and pray. I'm going to ask that God meet us, and I'm hoping you would ask as well, that in the midst of this, he would both strengthen you, equip you, but also just show you what he has for you tonight. So would you join me in prayer? Father, I just come before you right now and bring our space this time. And as we complete uh, this four-week study on, on how to study your word, Lord, I think about what you've called, that you've told me to equip, to put tools in hands and, and to equip. And I just, I, I'm longing that this has been that, that it wouldn't have been in vain, that it wouldn't have been just information. But God, you would be strengthening us to be those who know your word, and are growing in your word, and growing in what you have for us, and protected against all the, the, the deception that so often flows. So God, put that in our hands. Strengthen that in lives, and strengthen it not just again in information, but in practice, Father, please. At the same moment, Lord, I believe that we're here tonight in a way that is not meant to be just technical. I, I know that you'd want to speak to us, And so even though we talk about very practical things in how to study your word, would you also still speak to us? Would you, in the midst of this, show us things that we needed to hear so that tonight, at the same moment, you will just speak to our hearts. God, by your spirit, by your power, and your help, please meet us now. I ask that we ask that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Jesus said, if you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. That is a good space for us to begin this evening because that is exactly what we're, we're aiming for. He calls us in one sense to know, to know the truth, to know the truth of his word. He says, if you know it, that's good. But if you do it, that's, where the, that's what it's really about. It really is, you know, if you know these things, the blessing is not just having it as information, but having it as a space where our lives are being changed by the things that God has for us. And that is always the aim. That is always the aim. And it's certainly what we want to talk about tonight. So before we go there, I want to just pause and do what we've done for the last couple of weeks and do my best to frame this. We've been doing a four-week study again on how to study the Bible. 
Some of you have been here for each week. Some of you missed some. You're going to go back and catch it up, or I hope you will. But at the same moment, it would be helpful if I just draw you into some background of what we've seen so you can be up there with us. And I want to take you back to that first week, and we talked about seven things that really were essential for Bible study. And we've talked about them every single week, but I I need to pause and say them again. Not all of them, but just a couple of them. The first of it next needs to be recognized that in order to really study the scriptures and get what God has for us, you have to be a true believer in Christ. You have to be a Christian. It does not work otherwise. That's not my opinion. That's exactly what the Bible tells us. Paul tells us that for the natural man, the things of the spirit, they, they are foreign. They are foolishness to them. And, and so if you're here this evening and you don't know Jesus, we are so glad you're here. Uh, But please understand this isn't going to help. In fact, that might even be helpful to know that uh, until you come into a relationship with him. It has to begin there. If you're here this evening and the Bible means nothing to you and you've read or you've tried to read it and it doesn't connect with you, may that all by itself be an awakening to say, okay, it doesn't work. That's why it doesn't work because you don't know Jesus. And and what you need is that. It's in a relationship with him that, that this then becomes that which connects to us. That, that tells us in Peter everything that's necessary for life and godliness is found in here, but it's only found in, in those who are, who are in Christ, that are called in the things that he has for us, so it absolutely needs to begin there. So again, if you're here this evening, you don't know Jesus, then we just speak to you, loving you, and say, hey, we would love to help. We'd love to be a part of that, but it needs to begin there, because this is something that's alive, and so it ne- you need to be a Christian, and we certainly need God's help in that no way that the techniques or technical parts that we're talking about would do it without that. There's a desperate need for the Spirit to work, and so hoping and praying for even that this evening. So practically, let's think about it this way. We should be reading the Bible, and I want to, I want to say again, I hope you are. I hope you just read it. And In fact, we've been encouraging over these last few weeks that you read it a lot, that maybe even reading the whole Bible in a year. That would be a good challenge for anyone here. And in that space, you would just be picking it up and reading it verse by verse, just a chap- just chapters, just reading it straight through, and that would be very, very helpful, just allowing the Word of God to soak into your life. But what we're going to do for the rest of the evening is not talking about that aspect, not just talking about just reading it, not just in a space where you're reading it, but where you want to take a verse or a section and say, okay, I want to understand it. I want to understand what it is God's saying, and I want it to work in my life. And so very often that would be a space that, you know, maybe you do read, you know, one, two, three, four chapters, and then somewhere out of that on the day you just pick a verse. Say, okay, I'm going to dive into one verse. I'm going to dive into one section. Or maybe, again, we've said you might want to just tackle a book of the Bible and just begin working it through verse by verse. And, And so this is that place giving you tools that would help you do that. Hoping that's helpful, hoping that's clear. Now let's talk about how to do it. So we're using an approach that simply a Bible study approach that doesn't originate with me. It's not something that I've came up in fact with. In fact, I think it's really the way God's designed us. It's an approach that would be a three-step approach where it'd be kind of observation, interpretation, application, or saying it very, very simply, what does it say? What does it mean? What do I do? This is called what's called inductive Bible study. Um, it's really the way that God's worked us. It really is very much similar to the scientific method that God has designed our brains to work. And so it's a, it's a way where you're saying, okay, I'm going to do that. 
where I'm going to take a, a, a section and, I, and very intentionally do all three of these. And I pause again to say that. If you only remember that, it's going to be good. If you only remember, hey, I need to do all three of these. If I'm looking at a verse and I really want to buy, study this verse out, I'm going to have to observe it. I have to ask, okay, what is it saying? Do everything I can to get there, then try to figure out what it means, and then think, okay, what does that look like for me? What is God speaking into my life? In the last few weeks, we've given you a few practical things in that, and so on that first week, we talked about just observing, and the idea is this is just you and the Bible time, where you take that verse that you've picked out, and you just read it. You just read only the Bible, not a commentary, not a study Bible. You take time with it, make notes, pay attention, ask questions, and just let your whole imagination engage into it, read it even in other translations, but this is a time where you're just observing where you're just, just reading the verse and getting everything you can out of it, a space where you take time for that, and that's the first step in the Bible study, and it's an amazing one. It's probably one of the most overlooked at times for once, and so once more, I just take time to say, hey, do that. Take a verse and just do everything you can to, to just read it, note everything you can about it, ask all the questions you can, gain all the stuff, not that out of that you understand it necessarily yet. You're just trying to figure out what a verse is and, and where that goes. So that would then take you to step number two, which we've covered in the last two weeks, which now you take your observations and say, so how do I know what it actually means? How do I take this verse that I've been noticing and reading? How do I get there? And so I gave you over the last couple weeks five things. Five things. These are, in a sense, my order of things. It's not something, you know, although the inductive Bible study is something you'll find in all kinds of books, a lot of people do this in different ways. Some will say five, some will say seven, some will have eight different ways of doing it. These are what I use, and if it's helpful for anybody else, I, I, I give it to you in the kind of five C's, so kind of an alliteration, you can remember it, where you would just look up the words, do your best to define them. Uh, we talked about tools and how to do that on that evening. You look at the context, just follow the flow of thought in and around it, and that all by itself would save you a hundred errors. You would look at Christ, because it's always about Jesus. It always gets to Jesus. Jesus said so. It says, you search the scriptures, these are that which testify of me. So you're always going to try to figure that out. You're going to compare it with other translations of the Bible. Then the last step of Bible interpretation is to look at commentaries and study Bibles. That is a part of it. It should be done. It's just the last step. So let's just try to imagine it for a moment. I hope that this is making sense. And again, everything I just did was kind of a recap of what we've talked about. Let's say you've taken that verse. You've taken that section and you've tried to observe it. Then you've done these things. You've tried to look into it. And one of the things that should be happening at this point in time is there's a pretty good conclusion of what that verse is actually saying. We talked about it in the first week when we talked about Bible interpretation, that the Bible means something. It doesn't mean something to different people. You know, God tells us that, that he spoke it, and it's not up to private interpretation. It means something. And so you should be able to get to the end of it. You're like, okay, I think I understand what God is now speaking. That is what you're aiming for in Bible interpretation. And again, it's what's laid before you. God wants you to understand it. God, God has laid out his words so that you could get to that space of understanding it. But now we want to talk about the next step. And so, again, pausing. If anything that I just said is a little bit overwhelming, just remind you it's all online. Go back, catch it. Hopefully it'll kind of make sense. But as we think about these things and we think about observation, interpretation, application, maybe one of the big warnings of this evening is a failure 
to go all the way to application. That, that a failure that for some people the Bible just doesn't actually get here, and that's a huge deal in our day. For some people, it just stops with observation. I mean, in that sense, they read the Bible, and all they do is kind of notice things. Uh, they don't really ever try to figure it out, don't ever really try to say, okay, what does it actually mean? They just, just read it. I find myself thinking about what it talked about in Acts when Paul was there in the city of Athens, and he talked about the Athenians and, and the foreigners who spent all their time and nothing else either to tell or hear something new. Like, they didn't actually want to, they didn't actually really want to ever get this. They just like to hear new things. They just like to hear information and just like, well, that's, that's cool. It's really interesting to hear, but never coming to conclusions, never getting to applications. And I just want to tell you, it happens a lot. It happens a lot. We may be, uh, you know, one of the societies that has more ability to study the Scripture than maybe any other generation before us. Because of technology, because of the things that are there, you have available to you things that people a hundred years ago, a thousand years ago, could never have dreamed possible. And yet, in some ways, we are one of the most biblically illiterate generations, um, both by you know, failure to actually get into it, but oftentimes by failure to apply. And so I would say probably we live in a generation that this may become one of the most serious things when it comes to Scripture. Because, for, again, for some of us, all we do is enjoy it. All we do is observe it. All we do is go, well, that's kind of cool. That's a neat story. That's kind of fun. I enjoyed it. But we don't ever take it to further steps. We don't ever go past that. And so I'm just saying to you this evening, don't let that be you. Don't let it be you that just observes the Scripture. But also, don't let it be you that just stops at interpretation. In this generation, there are some that go here. There are some that just enjoy just, hey, just reading it, but don't ever really try to understand the Scripture. Then there's another failure that happens in our day, where for some people, it's enough just to know it, to even understand it. Think about Paul when he was writing to the church in Corinth in in 1 Corinthians 1. He says, you know, we know that we all have knowledge, but knowledge puffs up, but love edifies. And he warned about a space where, for some, it could get to the place that just knowing the truth, uh, even knowing it accurately, was sufficient for them. A space where, you know, being theologically correct or, 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 or understanding correct, but never actually getting to application, and yet somehow being satisfied with knowing. And it's a weird deal. I don't know how to say it better, but we live in a generation that sometimes if we know something, we think we're doing it without ever actually doing it. You know, that is somehow, it's like, well, I know that, it's because I don't actually do it, you know, but, but who does that? You know, it's like, you know, but I know it, and, and somehow we're satisfied with knowledge. Uh, we're somehow satisfied with being that, and I'm just inviting you to not be satisfied. For you to say, okay, it can never stop with just an accurate understanding of the Scripture. What God is looking for in our lives is to bring it all the way into a place that we're applying it, that we're beginning to allow the Word of God to transform and change our lives in authentic and genuine and real ways. And that's exactly what God is wanting to do. That is exactly what God is wanting to do. So one of the challenges in here this evening is for you to figure out how to do that, for you to figure out how to become someone who isn't just enjoying or just observing or understanding, but saying, okay, God, how do I then allow that? How do I, how do I begin to, 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 to be a partner where your word is working in me in a way that is changing 
and transforming and applying that into our lives. So that's where we want to go now. I'm going to talk about how to do that. Uh, But I'll again just pause and say, if all you did was know that you need to do that and try, I know the Holy Spirit would help you. If you only got to this space and you just said, okay, God, I know I'm supposed to do, I don't, I'm not supposed to learn, I'm supposed to do it, help me to do that. I just want to tell you, he'll do more than I can put into words. In fact, probably beyond things I'm going to go through. I'll go through a few things this evening. It's surely not comprehensive, but I hope it's helpful. So let's talk about how to apply. So this is going to be on that right page uh, in your booklet. If you're wanting to take notes, it's going to give you a space to do that so you can at least track with some ways of how we would do that. Like how do we apply what God is wanting to give it to us? And I want to just give you four things and then uh, some pieces under each one of them that I hope would be helpful. And again, these are not... um, I don't know, huge. I hope that's just really, really practical. I hope in one sense you're like, well, that makes sense. Of course we got to do it that way. But I hope it just begins to find something that works there. So first thing that you need to do is you need to hear that which God is seeking to speak to you through his word. You need to hear it. You need to be able to ask that question, like, God, what do you want me to do? How, how, what, what is this speaking into my life? How, how is this supposed to be at work in my life? So how do you do that? Well, again, I want to give you five things that will hopefully be helpful. Again, not comprehensive. The Lord can give you more than this, and I hope that he does. But let's just begin with the most simple. And even just reiterating what I just said. Ask him. Ask him. Ask God. Like, if you're going to study the scripture and you're trying to read, like, just ask him. Like, God, what is, what is this supposed to do? What do you want me to learn? Ask him. He said he gave us a spirit for that. Jesus told us that he gave us the Holy Spirit who would be a helper, that would bring truth into our lives, that he would help you understand it, and he would do so in a way that would come alongside. It's that same Greek word we've been talking about on Sunday mornings, this parakaleo. And so think about it this way. Jesus is offering that the Holy Spirit would be, well, in one essence, almost like a personal tutor for you. The kind of thing where it's like, okay, God, I need help. (laughs) I need help understanding this. I need help applying it. And Jesus says, I know you do. That's why I'm going to give you this. So you should ask. I mean, there should be a sense if you're studying through a passage and wanting to understand it, ask him. I mean, we do that each week, right? I mean, before we get into a Bible study, even like we just did a few moments ago, we usually pause and say, God, here we want to are. We want to hear what you have to say. Make that a part of it. Ask him. And he will certainly do that. Then as you're asking him, I will put out to you this way, that most often what God is seeking to speak into your life will be one simple thing. Now, in some ways, even as I give you these practical things, some of this has already taken place. Like probably the reason you picked the verse that you're studying, like maybe you read a chapter, maybe like today you were reading with us in Isaiah chapter 8, and then somewhere in that you're like, okay, God, what is it you want to say to me through this chapter? Like, help me find a verse. Help me figure out what it is I'm supposed to get out of this chapter. And most often, the way that God works in our life is so incredibly gentle, so incredibly kind. I think about it this way. He talked about it in 1 John when uh, God gave it to us. He said, for this is, is the love of God, that we should keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. That the way that God works us is he doesn't just pile it on. I mean, he could, and in one sense, it's all there, but he, he doesn't just pile it on where all of a sudden, you know, there's 5,000 things you're trying to apply at the same time. No, most of the time, the way that God works is so gentle. In fact, I like the way Jesus said it, where he simply said, come, 
to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Bunch of bunch of stuff in there, but just kind of catch the way he says, hey, come to me. And there's a gentleness to this. You know, there isn't a space where he says, you're, you take my yoke upon you, you're going to learn, I'm, you're going to come, and I'm going to teach you, and, and you're going to learn from me. And there's a gentleness to the way that I do this, Jesus says. He is gentle, and he is lowly in the way he does this. And so as he works into your life, it's so amazing how he does this. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but let me just try to help you unpack it. God could overwhelm you. I mean, you could come and say, okay, God, I need to learn tonight. And he's like, yeah, you do. Here's 6,000 things that are wrong with your life. Um, 6,000 things that I'd like you to fix now. And, and I'll just be honest with you. There probably is. There, there probably is like 6,000 things that God could just, just lay out to us right now. But it's just not the way he does it. It's, it's, a, it's a way when he does it, it's as if he just begins to unpack his word to you. And it's as if like that right there, that's for you. This one thing right here. This is what I want you to think on right now. This is what I want you to kind of unpack into your life. This, and and it's, it's an amazing thing because it, it comes in such a gentle way. It comes in such an invitation kind of way. I like the way it gives it to us in Isaiah 28 when almost in a mockingly in the way that God works, uh, it says it this way, for precept must be upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. And it's kind of funny because in many ways, this is almost an insult to the way that God was working is what they were saying, but it is the way he works. It's as if he says, okay, let's just, we're just gonna go one thing at a time. We're gonna take a little at a time. We're gonna take this in bites. We're gonna help you kind of get there. And so one of the things that God does is that. And again, it's just an amazingly thing, accurate, that I think, again, I can say, really, it works that way. It works that way that God begins to speak to us and he begins to unpack something to us. And it's usually just one thing that's just being highlighted for us in the midst of that. Now, to get there, Maybe one of the things we need to quickly talk about is you have to begin to discern the difference between the conviction of the Holy Spirit and the condemnation of the devil. You have to come to the place that you begin to see the difference. And this is one of these huge, huge, huge things uh, that I know is a part of every life here. And if you haven't learned how to discern the difference or at least try to get to the difference, I'll just tell you there's a world of hurt in that. Because here's the deal, we know what Satan does. He condemns us. In fact, in Revelation 12, talking about what the devil, the accuser of the brethren does, he says he accuses them before our God day and night. So right off the bat, he's just telling us this is what Satan does every day. This is his game plan. Uh, this is his game plan every single day. Every single day. He accuses us. He brings in condemnation. He brings in, in this weight of condemnation, and he does it all the time. So here's, again, what I know. If you're a follower of Jesus, this isn't something that you are not experiencing. You may not be understanding where it's coming from. You just might think it's you. You might think you're that brilliant, uh, you know, kind of picking on yourself and tearing yourself down. But I'm telling you, you're not. Satan does this every single day, and he knows. He knows that you reading the Bible is huge. And so make no mistake, spiritual warfare is a part of reading the scriptures. And so he will do everything he can to mess you up. And so one of the things is you need to do is discern the difference. And so here's 
Again, just a tidbit, just some, some helps. What makes the difference between condemnation and conviction? Well, just a few things. I mean, there's more, but, and, and may the Holy Spirit help you go further. Condemnation is always about destroying you. Uh, condemnation is always almost a place that just makes you feel hopeless. It's the kind of thing that just looks at you and says, boy, you're the worst excuse for a Christian there ever has been. I don't, you, you shouldn't even be reading the Bible. You shouldn't go to church. Like, you're a failure. Like, you, you're a mess. Like, who are you? And, and, and a weight begins to come that only just has a way of destroying and, and laying across your life in a way that just wreaks havoc. Conviction can be painful, but it's always an invitation forward. Wherever the Holy Spirit puts his finger, he's like, let's work on that. Let's work on this. This is what we're going to change. And as he's doing so, he's always like, okay, come to me, come and learn from me, and let's fix that. It's never a place of, of you know, boy, you're a loser. Like, you're terrible. Like, you should just go away. That is never the, the, the voice. Always his voice is like, oh, that's, let's work on this. Let's work on this. And, and let me help you. Let me come alongside and, and help you do that. And so part of the, the goal is to figure out the difference between those. To recognize the voice of condemnation that would only seek to, to destroy you. And the Bible tells you there's none of that for you if you're a follower of Jesus. None of it should stick. It tells us in Romans 8, 1, there is no more condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. Like that should not land on you. You need to get to the place that you recognize the difference, that you come to a place that you discern conviction. Now, again, very, very practically, condemnation is always about destroying you, undoing you, making you feel like a failure. And often, one of the big keys of condemnation is it is 6,000 things, or at least 10, or 15 so here's how it works in my life. And again, if this helps anybody else, it's just one of the telltale signs of condemnation when it begins to roll. Like, boy, I'm, I'm a bad Christian and a bad husband and a bad father. And I do that bad and I do this bad and I'm bad about that and I'm bad about this. And I'm, you know, and pretty soon you just, you know, you kind of have a list of, of all the things that make you the most lousy person that you possibly know. I just want to tell you, that should be really, really clear. It's like, oh, that's not, that's not his voice. It's not the way he works. That's condemnation. I know the voice. I know what he does. And it will be overwhelming. But when God is working, it is really, again, a gentleness. And it really is, let's work on this. Let's work on this. I can fix that, but you're going to have to come to me. You're going to have to admit you're wrong. You're going to have to repent over your sin. You're going to have to, to look into that. But let's, let's, let's come forward in that. And again, it, one of the, the things that just makes it stand out is it is that. It, it's a single thing. And, and it is something that is altogether inviting. So for you, if you're going to be someone who applies the Scripture, then you're going to have to try to figure that out. You're going to have to come to a space that you say, okay, God, I want to hear it. I want to hear what that is, and I'm going to, you know, sort past all the other lies that, you know, satanic in my own self and say, okay, God, what are you saying to me today? What is it that, that I needed to hear in the verse that I'm reading? And, and he'll begin to help you get there. He'll begin to help you get there. Now, one other quick kind of a helpful thing is the way that God works is it's often repeated. Again, I don't want to make this like it's always that way. It's not, but it is helpful to me, and I'll just give it to you as a help. 
God is so gentle in the way that he's doing this. Oftentimes, the thing that he's working on in your life, he will repeat it. So it's kind of like one of these places that you might be reading something, and then you hear another verse, and then you get another verse, and you're like, are all the verses in the scripture talking about this today? Like everything is like, you know, who decided that today was the day that we were going to talk about, you know, this? Because like I've, I've, I've now heard it six times, you know, and, and you turn on the radio or you, I mean, whatever. It's like, okay, I get it. I get it. I get it. I get it. But it's gentle. And it's one of those places like, okay, God, I know what you're saying. I know what you're saying, and it just helps oftentimes to identify. And again, if that's helpful for anybody, it's just a practical thing that sometimes, again, it's like, okay, I do know. Like, okay, you know, if you have, you, you are repeating yourself, you know, kind of a, you know, you know, since I think it's kind of funny, you know, when God is really trying to get somebody's attention, he usually repeats it, you know, like Abraham, Abraham, you know, Peter, you know, Peter, which I'm in Simon. It's like, okay, okay, I get it. Like, you're repeating it. I, I, I hear what you're saying, and it is helpful. So that's just a practical, but let me give you maybe one of the, the key things in hearing it, that if it's not, you know, yes, we need to ask God for, for the Spirit, we need to hear the gentleness, discerning conviction from condemnation, but one of the great keys is that whatever application you're going to take out of a, a Scripture, it needs to be what the Scripture is actually saying. Now, that might sound altogether simple, but it's not. This is why application flows out of observation interpretation. That we are, you know, reading a scripture, trying to understand it, getting to what it's saying, and only when we kind of really get that will it really work into our lives, what God is wanting to do. Think about it this way. So I like the way he says it in Isaiah 55. So shall my word be that goes from my, forth from my mouth, God says. It will not return to me void but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. So pretty simple. Let me just cause you to think this through. He's talking about how powerful his word is. He says, this is powerful. My, my word doesn't return to me void, but hear me clearly. It does what God sent it to do. Its intention is to speak into our lives, and, it, and it's not open to varying interpretations. Again, we talked about that that first week in, in, in interpretation, that the Bible's of no private interpretation. So if I come up with an application that has nothing to do with the verse, in the most gentle way, I'm just going to tell you, well, nice for you, it's not going to work. I mean, that's not what the Bible does. If you're wanting the Bible to change your life, and if you're wanting the Bible to work into your life, then it does what it says. And so it's one of the things that you have to go, okay, that's what it's saying. Now I want to apply it you know, out of that. It needs to flow from that. It needs to flow from, from, from what that would be in a way that would bring it you know, into impact into our life. So Gene, I'm just getting an echo up here. I don't know if you can pull it down just a little, just in the midst of it. So again, all of that is that space of, of where you would be able to do this, that God is saying that his word would do that in your life. And so again, I'm just inviting you to that, that that's actually, again, why it has to be this way, which is, again, one of those crazy spaces where for some people, they just, you know, come up with crazy interpretations, but it should not be that way. Okay. So a little bit helpful, I hope, but it really is the first step where you're just going to say, okay, God, what are you saying to me? Like, what is, what is it I needed to hear? What is it that I needed to get out of the verse? And just asking that question is that first part of application. Secondly, 
Not only do you need to hear it, but you need to believe it. And it kind of sounds simple, but it's really not. Now, I could give you so many verses on this, but we've just been covering it in the book of Isaiah. So if you've been reading with us in this, I just want to give it to you this way. You know, we think about it that God just tells us if we're going to believe his word, we need to not let fear, you know, become that which keeps us away from it and and not let doubt rob it. Now, he'll say this in a hundred ways through the scripture, but again, we just did it in Isaiah, so I'll just give it to you there in verse 7, chapter 7, excuse me. So God is speaking to Ahaz in the midst of, of a time when he is not really listening, but he simply says to him, hey, if you would just take heed, in essence, if you just listen to me, if you listen to what I'm telling you, and be quiet. Don't be afraid. Don't be faint-hearted. Don't let fear and doubts and, and all of that come against you. I need you, if you would believe me in what I'm saying. And he goes on, begins to unpack what, what Ahaz needed to hear to cause him to, to, to trust in him. And then he goes on in verse 9, and he simply says it this way. If you will not believe, surely you'll not be established. If you don't, if you don't believe it, then it's not going to work. I mean, if you don't believe it, if you don't believe that what I'm telling you is exactly what you needed to hear, then it's not going you know, to work. And it sounds so simple, but it is so simple. It needs to be a space that you're there, that there ought to be a space that you, if God is speaking, you would believe it. Or maybe I'll say it another way. Don't be unstable. Don't be unstable in the way you hear it. That's how James would talk about it. When, when he refers to us hearing what God has to say to us, he tells us in James chapter one, if any of you lacks wisdom, ask God. Like ask him, ask him for what you need. He gives to all liberally and without reproach and it will be given to you. That's a pretty cool promise. That's a pretty cool promise. If you ask him, he gives it and he gives it liberally. He gives it abundantly. He gives his help. You know, he'll help you to do that. He doesn't beat you down. He doesn't reproach you. He doesn't beat you up for asking. He'll give it. But, James tells us, you need to do so with faith. With no doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the, of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. Let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. Now, I don't want that to sound, again, I don't want that to become condemnation in your life, but let's just think about it in a very simple way. If you're not going to believe him, it's not going to help you. If you're not going to believe what God says, then it's not going to help. Not because God's not giving it, but you're not listening to him. You're not, you're not saying, okay, God, you're right. I believe you. I believe in what you're saying. I believe in what that is. In fact, I'll even say it very, very graciously. Be honest with them about it. If you're just going to come and say, hey, God, I do believe you. Help my unbelief. Kind of like the man says at the Mount of Transfiguration, where Jesus says, hey, anything's possible if you believe. And the man says, God, I believe you. Help my unbelief. I I love that little bit of honesty. I I love that. And so I don't want to make that something that you can't have here, but I will just come back and say, just stand on it. Stand on what God is saying. So let's just try to think this through practically. You study a verse. You begin to unpack it. You begin to think about what it is. Maybe you're, say, let's say you're doing the book of Hebrews, and you get there, and, you talk, and it talks about God's you know, hope being an anchor for your soul. 
And, and maybe that's just where God's speaking to you. You're like, man, that's what I needed. I need, I, I need, he's speaking to me about hope. He's speaking to me about an anchor. That if I would just believe this, this would hold me against all the storms of life. Believe it. When he says it, just say, God, I know you're saying it. I know that's true. And as much as I can, I want to believe that. I, I, I want to I hear what you're saying. And I, and I want to... I just want to tell you, God, I believe you. And I, I just want to tell you, there does something powerful when you just do this. You know, it tells us in the book of Romans that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And yet there is that place of it being connected where you would just say, God, I, I'm, I, I'm reading your word and this is what you said. And I just want to say, you're, God, you're right. You're right. I mean, you're right in whatever it is that you're laying before me right now. I mean, what I, what I do understand, what I can't understand, I'll lay it before you, but it does really, really good just to step towards that intentionally. And again, I think about what God was telling Ahaz, if you don't believe it, it's not gonna, you're not going to be established. If you won't trust what God is saying to you, then, then of course it's not working into your life like it ought to be. There needs to be a space where you say, okay, God, I heard your voice today. I know what you said, and you're right. You're right. Maybe I have a lot of way to grow in it. Maybe I need it, but I, I just want to believe it. And, and that becomes incredibly powerful and certainly a part of it. So, again, very, very practically, that was number two. So you're going to hear it. You're going to ask you know, what it is. You're going to believe it. And thirdly, you're going to keep it. You're going to hear it. You're going to say, okay, God, what is it you said? I believe you. And now the part is to keep it. Let me try to help you understand what I mean by that. I gave you a few more spaces in this, but let's just think it through again simply. Don't be a forgetful hearer. Don't be a forgetful hearer. That's, again, God's description. So he gives it to us in James this way. Be doers of the word. Be doers of the words and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. He says, I want you to be someone who says, okay, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read your word, I'm going to understand it, and I want to do it. I don't just want to be somebody that listens. I don't want to just be one of those observers. He says, when you do that, it's like you lie to yourself and then you believe your own lies. It's a dumb thing to do. Don't do that. Be one that says, God, I want to have your word change me. And so if that wasn't clear enough, I love it. He gives it in this illustration. He says, if anyone is a hearer of the word, but not a doer, He's like a man who observes his natural face in the mirror. He observes himself and then goes away and immediately forgets what kind of man he was. Okay, this is funny. I mean, if you could just imagine it with me for a moment. It's just such a funny picture that I just, I, I find it in my own just kind of just almost hilarious the way that God describes it. So imagine it for a moment. You get up in the morning. You stumble into the bathroom and you turn on the light and you look in the mirror. And it's not a happy sight. I don't know what you see when you look in that moment, but you just, something's wrong. I mean, something's really, really wrong. Like your hair is, like, it, it's going badly. Or, or, or maybe even you have some crusty stuff on the side of your face, okay? I don't know what it is. But let's just say for a moment, you look there and go, ooh, that's not good. That's, that, that's bad. But if you step away from the mirror and then forget about it, Looking in the mirror didn't do you any good at all. It's like, like, well, that's great. You looked in the mirror. You didn't fix it. Like, like you should have pulled out the brush. You should have pulled out of the comb, got the washcloth. I mean, you should have been like, okay, I get it. James is saying, that's exactly what some of you do with the word of God. It's like you come into it and you go, 
Ew. And then you put it away, and it's like, I didn't do anything with it. I didn't, I didn't actually try to say, okay, God, you showed me something about what was wrong with my heart. You showed me something about what was wrong with me. And I don't do anything with it. What good is that? It's, it's of no help. It's of no value. But if instead, James says, if you would look into the perfect law of liberty, which is his description there of the scripture, if you would look into it and continue in it and you would not forget it, like you would not forget what God is speaking into your life, but you'd be a doer of this work, you'll be blessed. You'll be blessed in what you do because your intention is to say, I really want to apply it. I really want to apply it. But part of the goal then is not to forget it, not to read it and then walk away from it forgetting what it said, forgetting what it God said. So don't be someone who does that with the word of God. Instead, you want to be somebody who keeps it. Use a different illustration that Jesus gave us. God's word's like a seed. And Jesus uses this really powerful parable, and we don't have time to go into it deeply, but it's the parable of the sower that talks about everything that this is. Great place for you to study it uh, more in depth there in Matthew 13, but just giving it to you, he says there's four kinds of hearts. There's a hard heart that hears the word of God and doesn't listen to it, and then immediately, if you're not listening, Satan will steal it. There's a rocky heart that hears it but doesn't let the word go in deeply. Doesn't, you know, it blocks up and, and, it, and it goes away in trials. There's a weedy heart that hears it and it's choked out, and only the one that is, is the, who receives the word and lets it bear fruit does that. So let me just read that uh, section with you and let it kind of just land for a moment. Jesus explains the parable to his disciples after giving it to him. He says, here, I want you to hear this parable of the sower. He says, if anyone hears the word, which he says, the word, it's like seed. So he says, if you hear it, you're going to hear what God has to say, and you don't understand it, you're not going to take it into your life, you're not going to apply it, then the wicked one comes and snatches away what is sown in the heart. This is the, the he who receives the seed by the wayside. So he says, if you're not going to grab hold of it, Satan will steal it. He knows. He knows how powerful this thing is. He's not going to leave it in your heart. If, if, you're, if you're not going to grab hold of what God is speaking, he will do everything he can to take it. He'll do everything he can to take it, and he does it all the time. Don't be like that, he says. Don't be someone who just hears it but doesn't try to understand it. But he who received the seed on stony places, Jesus said, is he who hears the word. So again, you're hearing, you know, what God had to say and immediately receives it with joy. But he has no root. He has no root. It doesn't, it doesn't go down. It doesn't begin to penetrate into his life. Um, but he endures only for a while. You know, when tribulation or persecution arises, he stumbles at the word and immediately he stumbles. Says if, if this person is the kind of person who hears it and goes, that's really, really fun, but doesn't let it really germinate, doesn't let the word of God go deeply into their life, doesn't let it put roots down into their life, and it doesn't take long. I mean, the, the, the smallest trials and troubles steal it. Thirdly, Jesus said, hey, there are some people who receive the seed among the thorns. It's like he who hears the word and the cares of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. So here's somebody who hears it, but then spends the rest of their day distracted with everything else. And they hear it, and then the world chokes it out. It doesn't let it ever kind of bear fruit into their life. Those are all obviously the ones we don't want to do, and yet here's the deal. Make sure I make this claim. We've all done all of those. 
And there's not like somebody like, man, I can't imagine somebody doing this. Like, oh, I've done that. <laughs> I've totally done that. Every time we hear the word of God, one of these is happening. Every time. I've probably all done all four, but the good one, the one that he's calling us to is the one who receives the seed on good ground. You see, who hears the word and understands it, understands what's being said, and indeed bears fruit and produces some a hundredfold, some sixty, some thirty. In Luke's one rendering of it, says, hey, you hear it with patience, that you endure, that you kind of hang on to it. Now, if that visual picture would work for anybody, I just want you to think about it for a moment. So here's the goal. God speaks to you, and you just don't want to let it go. You just want to, you, just want, you, just want to, you know, I'm not going to let Satan steal it, you know, I'm, I, and I just want to put it into my life and just kind of let it soak and, and let God's truth be there. I want it to be, you know, putting down roots. I, don't, I, I want to make sure that I'm not distracted with everything else. I, I, I want it to be there. I want it to be this place like a seed that would do that. So here becomes the goal. Very, very simply. Somehow keep it. Don't let it be taken from you and don't be distracted from it. Somehow, if you're going to hear what God has to say, let it be something that you retain. Let it be something that you hold on to. So how do you do that? Well, you know what? We're all different people. There's not anybody here in the room that would probably do this the same way. But I want to give you a few things that, that would maybe be helpful. Because again, the goal is to say, I just want to let God's word, I just want to do that. I, I just want to let it you know, transform. I, I, I want to be one who you know, allows that to, to, to be at work in my life in a, in a way that uh, would be transformative and, and, and be at work. Let me come back to it and try one more time before I actually get to those practical things. This is God's word. I mean, this is God's word. And what he tells us is it's powerful. He says this, is, this book's alive and it's powerful. That it would work into your heart. He says, it won't return to me void. It will accomplish what I sent it to. And so one of the goals, very simply, is just hold on to it. Hold on to whatever it is God spoke to you. Hold on to it so that you don't forget it. How would you do that? Well, some of you just want to write it down. Just want to write it down. Write that down. For years, that's kind of how I did it. You know, I would spend time in, in, in reading the Bible, you know, each day and Whatever spoke to me, whatever God was speaking to me, I would write it down. I used to write them down on three by five cards. And, and then I would just keep it rest of the day. It just went everywhere I went. Stuck it on my dash, stuck it on my desk. And throughout the day, I would just, that's what we're thinking about today. Yep, right there. <laughs> and, and, and so I, I, I didn't want it to be stolen. I just wanted to let it kind of soak. And, and, you know, again, sometimes it's just a daily verse. And so I would just keep it with me throughout the day. And I just kind of keep it around my life. And I keep it around that space. And for some of you, then my work. You know, just you're like, hey, I just can write it down. I keep it, and 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 throughout the day, I'm just going to continue to think. Okay, this is what we're chewing on today. <laughs> this is what we're chewing on today. I don't want it to be stolen, and I just want to let it soak. I just want to keep it. Just keeping the word of God present throughout your day, it would you. I mean, His word will do it. That's the beautiful thing. Is this isn't you? This is it. This is the word of God at work in your life. So you might just want to write it down. I want to memorize it, even if it's just for the day. I mean, maybe there are some verses that you're like, okay, this is when I'm going to have to lock away and I'm going to keep memorizing it. But for some of you, it would just be like throughout the day, just, okay, what was my verse today? Yeah, and just, just recite it, just, just pull it up. Just pull it up into your head and let it just kind of just soak in your heart. It would be helpful. Um, that would be a, a great thing to do. You, you might even want to use it. Hey, this is just practical. It's what I do. Um, you might want to put it on your phone screen. 
I mean, seriously, this is kind of what I, I mean, because I use, you know, I'm like most of you, I have a phone, I use it all the time, and so one of the things I learned to do, you know, a couple years ago is like, huh, I might as well just utilize that, and so every day I, I you know, I kind of pick, a, you know, find a verse that God's speaking to me, and then I'll find some verse image of it, and then it becomes my phone screen for the day, so I'll just kind of show you a couple examples, um, so like this was today, you know, we were reading there in Isaiah 8, so I just, this is my phone screen, so all day long, every time I look at it, it's like, yep, that's what I'm thinking about today. You know, every time, I mean, it's just right there in front of me all day long. Did a couple more just to show. I mean, just like, you know, I just would do it. I just take whatever verse is there, and it just became my phone screen. You can do it in a lot of ways. I mean, if you use the Bible app, it'll even let you kind of create the images in a way that it could do it. Might be helpful for anybody else. Some of you are like, man, that's just beyond me technology-wise. That's fine. You don't have to do it. But I'm just telling you, for some of you, like, oh, that would work. That would work. It would keep me before my eyes all day long. You know, that would be it works. So that's one of the things I do because I'm aware how easy I can become a forgetful hearer. How easy God can show me something in the morning and then it'd be like, I don't even remember what I saw. I don't even remember what it was. I don't remember what he was talking to me about. So it helps me to do that. So again, for some of you, it might do that. So writing it, memorize it, phone screen, a couple others that would be in the midst of that. Um, you know, some of you might journal it. I mean, like you're someone who, you know, just writing it out, just writing it out will process it for you and it will lock it into your brain. Doesn't work for everybody. Not everybody's a journaler, but if you are, hey, do it. Journal what God has spoken to you that day. Spend time just penciling it out and, and, and thinking that thing through. Uh, some of you would do good drawing it. There are some artistic people that, you know, you know how you work. I mean, not everybody's this way, but you might be this person that when you get a verse, there's a picture. Draw it and then keep it all day long. Keep it all day long. It's like, hey, this is what I'm thinking about. This is what I'm thinking about. And, and, and that can be very, very helpful. Even share it. One of the things I've found to be helpful is you know, if you're doing this with somebody else, if you're, you know, that you have, you know, married or your friends, everyone just, just spend time, like, even daily. So what's God talking to you about? It's a really interesting thing. Joanne and I do that most days. And it's just one of those things that sometimes you just know. It's like, I'm going to have to tell somebody what God spoke to me. <laughs> like, and, and it's a weird thing. It's like all of a sudden you're just like, okay, like I told somebody. So now I'm accountable. <laughs> like I just, you know, it's like, yeah, he was talking to me about this. Well, it's just really, 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 really helpful. Now, all those are just very practical things, but here's again the goal. Don't let it go. Don't let it go. Hold on what God's speaking to you, and, and it will change you. The Word of God will transform your life, but it takes this. It takes bringing it like a seed into your life and not letting it go. All right, so one more quick thing, and then we'll be done with this. So application, hear it, believe it, keep it, and it probably makes sense, but I just want to give it in the last one. Hey, do it do it. Like if God is saying something to you in that verse and you've kind of picked it out, do it. And you know, probably don't need any of these extra little three things, but I'll toss them in there just for, for bonus help. Ask, okay, what is God putting before you? Is, is he challenging you to do something? Is he telling you? And you're reading a verse like, okay, I think he's telling me that I need to, you know, spend this kind of amount of time in prayer. Or I need to start doing this. Then actually do it because that's the goal. That's the goal. Do it in a way, don't just settle of knowing it. We're like, okay, yeah, I know what he wants, but I don't actually do it. Do it. And for some of you, it might even help to think, how are you going to measure that? I mean, how are you going to remember, like, come back and say, God, did I, did I do that? Asking even that question, like, how would that look like in my life? What would it look like if I actually did this? And kind of even setting some kind of, you know, goals in that for some of you would be very, very helpful. But the aim of it is that. The aim of it 
is not just to know it, but to do it, right? I mean, that's kind of where we began this evening, where Jesus just simply said, if you know it, blessed are you if you do it. If you know it, if you know these things, if you know what God is saying, that's, that's good, but the blessing is in the doing. The blessing is if you, if you will say, okay, God, I want to walk this thing. I, I want to see your word changing me. And that's where the blessing is really found. I just invite you to that. I think about all that that is. I think about these things that are there. And so we've walked through this this evening. We've talked about how to apply. And I just pull it back one more space and say, okay, so here's the Bible study approach. Here's what you can do. You can study the scriptures and you can observe it, interpret it, and apply it. You'll say, what does it say? What does it mean? What do I do? And it's not that complicated. It's not that complicated. At least I hope I haven't made it complicated. So life transforming. And it's something that God wants to do day by day by day in your life. And I hope this little four-week study that we've done has been helpful. There's lots of more resources you can get to go beyond uh, the simplicity that we've gone to. But I, I think this is enough uh, just to lay it before you and call you to that. So holding that before you, and now we want to transition. And I was thinking about trying to do this in some really, like, really cool way, but I think we're just going to make the transition. So it's the last Wednesday night of the month, and so we're going to take a time to take communion. Now, I, I like that one of the things we talked about in the Word of God is that we're always trying to get to Jesus. We're always trying to, you know, if we're understanding a verse, it's going to get there, and that's certainly where we come now that Jesus gave us communion, and he said, hey, I want you to do this in remembrance of me, and so tonight, we want to invite you to do that. We give you opportunities to take communion several times a month, once on Sundays, once on Wednesday. It's always the last Wednesday night of the month, which is tonight, by the way. Um, so last Wednesday of the month, we want to give you a space to actually do this, that you would actually step into it and, and, and say, okay, I want to do this in remembrance of you. So very practically, here's what's going to happen. The worship team's going to come up, and they're going to lead us in song. Uh, I'm going to pray and ask God to bring us into that. And then as the worship team leads us, we're just going to place the communion elements up here in front of the stage, and we're going to invite you to take communion whenever you're ready. Uh, in the midst of the following two songs that we have, uh, you can come up and take communion. So you can come up and get the communion elements. Just grab both of them. There's two cups. Uh, the bread's in the bottom, juice in the top. You can take communion up here. You can take it back to your chair. Uh, you can stand, you can kneel, but in the midst of it, we're just inviting you to, to, to turn your focus and your attention to Christ, longing that he would meet you in, in just an effective way, and then when you're done, just hang out with us. We're going to sing a couple songs, sing them with us, but in the midst of it, we're longing that the focus would be on Jesus. And I probably ought to say this before we do that. It really is, even as we talked about the word, of, the word of God, this is for believers. This is for those of you who know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, you're invited. If you know Jesus, you're invited to take communion, and we invite you to. If you don't know Jesus, this isn't for you. Uh, it's not going to help you. Uh, not going to hurt you, but it's not going to help you. And so we think it would be so much better if you just, hey, that's uh, not mine. And then come up and talk to us afterwards or, or in the midst of it, we'd love to share the gospel with you. But this, again, is for one of those spaces that is for those of us who know Jesus. And we hope in the midst of it, it would work into your life. So with that in mind, let me pray, ask God to bring us into it, and, and we'll take this time of communion. Father, I think about all that we've talked about tonight, and I hope helpful. We've talked about your word and, and its power to transform our lives. 
I think about what you tell us, that your word doesn't return to you void. It does work. It accomplishes the purposes for which you've sent it. God, help us to be those who hear you. Help us to be those who are growing in ability and practice of hearing your voice. And I know this, if we hear your voice, one of the things you will always do is draw us back to to Christ. Draw us back to a place of recognizing Jesus. It's you. You're the only reason we have hope. It's your death. It's your resurrection that paid the price for our sin. It's the only way that that, that we get any hope, any forgiveness. And so, Lord, as we close this evening, we want to make that very intentionally our focus. To remember you, Jesus. To remember your life, your death, your resurrection, and all that it is to us. God, if there's anything right now hindering, cleanse us, wash us, so that we can step towards this. And then would you help it right now just to be real, that we would genuinely remember you. God, I pray for help in that right now as we just take this time of communion to focus on you. In Jesus' name.